Again, we're glad that you're here. So I have to do this. Josh is at a uh, soccer game today. He's the coach, and this doesn't happen very often, but it did happen today. So I have the opportunity to share the pulpit this morning. But you got to, you know, it's Super Bowl Sunday, so we've got to talk about football just a little bit. Now, I like to play football, but I like to play football according to my own rules. So they may not be NFL rules, but hey, you know, it works. You know, it's like you can tackle everybody else but me, you know, that kind of rule. But anyway, but even as a young girl, I used to play football with all the guys around the neighborhood and everything else. So I love football. Football's a, a good sport. But football, we can relate a lot to in the game of life. For instance, let's look at it this way. Jesus is the owner, the manager, the coach, and even sometimes the player. He's also our greatest cheerleader. Think about it. It's a team game, and we all have our positions. And everyone is important on the team, just like everyone is important in the body of Christ. And everybody has a place in the body of Christ. And every member, whether small or large, is important, is necessary. Just try to live without your big right toe or sprain your finger, and you can't even do necessary things. <laughs> All right, everything is important. Sometimes there's a Hail Mary. I like Hail Marys. I like when you're on one end of the field and you throw the football what, 50, 60 yards, and somebody catches it and runs it all the way. I don't know if that's called a Hail Mary, but to me, that's pretty much a Hail Mary because they scored on one play. How many like it when God performs those suddenlies, those miracles, when you experience it right away? But then also, and most of it, is a process when you have to take the field 10 yards at a time. And sometimes you're trying to get that 10 yards and you go back a few yards. Anybody ever had one of those slip-ups? Sometimes you lose ground. Sometimes, for just a second, you may lose your faith. You may feel like, I can't do it anymore. I can't. But then you see those that are around you saying, yes, you can. Come on, we can do this. We can get 10 yards. We only need 15 yards. We only need this. Come on, together. We can do it. And that's what's so important about community. That's so important about a church is that you have somebody that you can call and say, I'm struggling. Anybody been in those shoes where you're just struggling? And you just wanted somebody to give you a word, somebody to tell you it's going to be okay, somebody to tell you, I'll go with you all the way. You don't have to be by yourself. Sometimes we need our team, right? On football, you definitely do. Sometimes you just have to restart and play again. Sometimes the opposing players comes out of nowhere. You're not expecting it. You didn't plan for it. But they come out of nowhere and you end up on the ground. Anybody been there? God, where did that come from? Where in the world did that come from? How did that get to me? I wasn't expecting it and I wasn't planning for it. But you know what you do? You dust yourself off and you get back up because a righteous man will fall seven times and get back up. A righteous man will fall. We all have missed the mark. We all have messed up. We've all been tackled by the enemy because 
We didn't have our defenses up. But then there's times when that defensive player is coming right at us, and before they can get to you, somebody stands in their way and blocks them so that you can fulfill that play. How many have ever been in that position where you become the blocker for somebody else? Yeah, we all need those blockers in our life. I want to tell you just a story. Years ago, we had a youth group. I'm talking about years ago. We lived on Connor Street, and we had a, we were young. I think Tony was the only child that we had, so we were real young. We had a small youth group, and there was a girl that came to our youth group and um, her father didn't like the idea that she was falling in love with Jesus and that her life was changing and he thought we were in a, a cult. He thought, you know, we were putting some kind of spell on her or whatever and it was just Jesus. Jesus will turn your life upside down. And she was at our house one time and he had gotten drunk and he came over and he was coming to get her and he had a gun and he was shooting anybody that could get in his way. We are in our living room not knowing anything about this. And he came and then, well, we didn't know he, he was even there. And the next day, was a, that was on a Saturday night, the next day on Sunday morning when we went to church, he came as a broken man crying his eyes out and he's saying, I have never seen anything like that before. And we asked him, what did you see? What, what? We didn't know he was, even had been in our driveway. He said, I came and I was going to get my daughter and I was going to shoot anybody that got in my way. He said, and as I approached that porch, there was this huge man standing there like he was on guard. He said, and there was no way I could get to anybody. He said, and I turned around and left and realized that must have been an angel of the Lord that I saw. Let me tell you, if you don't have someone in the natural to be your blocker, God will send an angel if necessary to protect you and to keep you and to watch over you. God does things like that. That actually happened. If I had remembered his name, I could take you and he could tell you his own testimony. But he saw something that we didn't even, we weren't even aware of that was going on. So sometimes you have those blockers. Sometimes it takes several people doing something significant to make a play. Sometimes it's more than the quarterback. You have to pass the ball and then you have to run and everybody has to play together in order to get something accomplished aren't you glad we have a team we can do that sometimes it seems we're always on the defense anybody feel that way you're always on the defense sometimes but the Bible says, and sometimes in a game, and these are always the exciting moments of the game, and maybe we'll see some of those this afternoon, is when there's a thing called an interception. When it is thrown to their player, but the other team catches the ball, right? It's called an interception. It means the other team gets the ball automatically. Sometimes they can run the field and score. And sometimes, even though when we feel like we're on the defense, if we know the wiles, and the Bible says that we can know the wiles of our enemy, we know the wiles of the devil. In other words, we've been here before. I know that play. I know what they're going to do. Any, Joey's a, a football coach. I'm not picking on him. He's just my friend, and I know I can do this. And he, can, he knows. He, he watches the other team, how they play, and he can almost predict what they're going to do by the way they set up. Is that not true? 
Sometimes if we know the play of the enemy, even though we feel like we're on the defense because we know what he's going to try to do, we cause that interception. We intercept that and defeat that play, stop that play, and it's smart. That's what the Bible says we can do. We know the wiles of the enemy. Sometimes we can get that interception and score. Sometimes we don't know what to do, we, and then we call a timeout. Anybody ever had to call a timeout? You know, even Jesus said, I have to go. I'm leaving you guys. I'm going up to the mountain to pray. That was Jesus' timeout. He had to go talk to the Father. He had to go be reinforced. He had to go, okay, what's the next play, Lord? What do you want me to do in this situation? Sometimes when we don't know what to do, all we have to do is call a timeout, spend time with the Lord. We have to wait for his instructions, and then we get the, the play, the next play, and we go back in, and we, we're confident. We know what to do. Our coach has given us what to do. And sometimes the quarterback will call the play because the coach has the confidence in the quarterback that he can do that. Sometimes God knows that you were thinking so much like he would think. He lets you call the plays. Anybody been there? Have you done that? I know what to do in this situation. I've been here before. God knows I know what to do, and he's just going to allow me to do it. For instance, if I get sick, I know I can pray. Why? Because God has healed me and touched my body before, and I know I prayed before and he touched me, so when I face this, I don't have to go and spend in time out and ask God what he wants me to do. I already know what to do. I'm claiming my healing. Sometimes we catch the ball and sometimes we fumble. Anybody ever fumbled? We've missed the mark. Hey, we've all done it. We've all made mistakes. We learn from our mistakes and we get up. Sometimes the whole team feels defeated. But just one word from the coach, just one word, just one touch will change the whole team the whole area the saddest thing I think I've ever seen is when the team is whether it's basketball football soccer or anything they feel like they've lost before they've even tried and Joey can contest to this it's when that's when you see your team and they look like they can't win and you know we look like we're the Davids and that team looks like it's the Goliaths and that's when good coaches will come and say Hey, come on team, you're mightier than that. Let's not look on the size. Let's not look on that. Let's look on what you've been taught, on what you know, on what we've practiced. You do your game. Let them do theirs. You do what you know to do and watch us turn around and win. Have we not seen it happen, Joey? <laughs> Bless Joey's heart. Barbara wore me out today. Let's not give up. We've got a team. And the most important thing about that is that there's people in the stands, in the natural, if it's at a basketball or football game, and your child, your grandchild, or somebody is playing that you know, 
You're on the stands, and it may not look too good to you either, but you're going to pull for them. You're going to cheer them on. You're going to say, get in there. You can do this. That's just what God does. It's like we're in a big arena, and sometimes I actually see God standing up and saying, you can do this. You got this. You're my son. You're my daughter. Come on. We can win this. You are a winner. You are an overcomer. You can do this. Stand up and fight. Don't back down. Take a seat. This is time to move forward. And all of heaven, I believe, stands with us. It's not just the Lord. Oh, he brings all of heaven with him that stands with us and cheers us on, saying, come on, I'm going to be with you. I'll never leave you. I believe in you. Sometimes it just needs somebody to tell you, I believe in you. I believe in you. You can do this. And then a good daddy whether we win or whether we lose, at the end of the game, puts his big loving arms around us, walks with us off the field, says, you did good, son. I'm proud of you. We'll get him next time. We'll learn from this. You don't lose even in a game of life. You either win or you learn and you move on and you move on praise God and all of that is football happy Super Bowl Sunday now comes the message and we're going to tie it together you want to know how I'm going to do it turn with me to 2nd Kings and I'll show you 2nd Kings chapter 6 Tony Isaiah starting in verse 12 and I'm reading from the King James Version because sometimes we don't know who's on our side. I want to remind you this morning who's on your side. Starting 2 Kings chapter 6, starting with verse 12. And one of his servants said, None, my lord, O king, but Elisha, the prophet that is in Israel. Prophets are always causing a, a stir up. The prophet that is in, in Israel telleth the king of Israel the words that thou speakest in, even in thy bedchamber. You know, the scripture says that the Lord does nothing except he lets his prophets know. If you can walk in that office, God will share his secrets. And he said, go and spy where he is that I may send and fetch him. They're going after Elisha. And it was told him saying, behold, he is in Dothan. Now, Dothan was a valley, and it was surrounded by mountainsides. And it's only mentioned twice in the Bible. Once, that's where Joseph's brother sent him in a pit, threw him in a pit, expecting him to die, was in Dothan. This time, it's just Elisha and his servant that are in Dothan. It's a place where it seems like the end was surely at end, at, at hand, and death is surely going to be the answer. But God. But God. How many have said that a million times the month of January? But God. We're going to say it a million more times. Amen. But God. But God. But God. Dothan was a place that it seemed surely destruction will take place. Surely death will happen. But God, we know the story of Joseph, and I'm not going to labor that, but he didn't die. God had a plan. Here, for Elisha, God also 
has a plan. Therefore sent he thither horses and chariots and a great host, and they came by night and compassed the city about. Now I want you to imagine this. You are Elisha, Elisha's servant. Let's just say we're going to be the servant. Elisha is the prophet, and he sees what's happening. See, he has already heard the whispers of the king and all of his plans, and then he would tell those, said, this is what he's going to do. So they knew the wiles of the enemy, like we are talking about just a few minutes ago, so they could counteract the attack, so it never, was, it never accomplished what it was set out to do. The enemy has a plan, but it doesn't have to accomplish what he sets out to do because we have the king on our side, and we know his wiles, and we can stop it. Sometimes easier than others. Okay. So we're, we're, and we see this. We're in this valley, and there's hills all around us. In other words, there's not a way to escape, and yet there's all kinds of horses and chariots coming to kill us. Anybody in here can honestly say, I wouldn't be afraid. I'd be scared. I would be. Uh, yeah, Lord, this doesn't look too good. This looks like I need to say my last time prayers. Lord, forgive me for everything I've ever, you know. The, <laughs> that's a joke. Anyway, we'll move on. He was scared. And when the servant of the man of God was risen early and gone forth, behold, a host compassed the city, both with horses and chariots. And his servant said unto him, Alas, my master, what are we going to do? King James says, How shall we do? But we would say, What are we going to do? What now? How are we going to get out of here? <laughs> Can we create a door what we're going to do and he answered fear not and that's the word of a prophet fear not don't be afraid no matter what you're facing don't be afraid don't walk in fear perfect love cast out all fear you don't have to walk in fear you don't have to be afraid even if you see the horses or the chariots even if you get that word that or a diagnosis that something is happening, even if you get the worst news of your life, even if you're facing a catastrophe, even if you are now finding yourself in a situation that you never thought that you would be in. Fear not. Why? Perfect love casts out all fear. Fear will cause you to doubt and have unbelief. But love will, cost you, will cause you to just trust and have faith. And he said, fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. They that be with us are more than they that be with them. In other words, you and God are the majority. All the time, always, forever. You and God are a majority. No matter how many are against you, you can win because you and God are the majority. Anybody hearing me this morning? And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, 
open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. God, open our eyes so that we can see who is on our side. God, open my eyes that I may see. Open my eyes that I can see who's on my side, who's fighting my battles, who is for me, who is coming in my defense, who will protect me, who will overshadow me so that I am hid in the, under your wings. Show me, Lord. Open my eyes. In 2 Chronicles 32:7, it said it like this. Be strong and courageous. Be not afraid nor dismayed for the king of Assyria, nor for all the multitude that is with them. For there be more with us than with him. With him is an arm of flesh. But with us is the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles. And the people rested themselves just upon these words. Can I cause you to rest this afternoon upon the words of the Word of God that says, be courageous. Be courageous. With them is just an arm of flesh. But with us, is the Lord God to help us and to fight our battles. Quit fighting your battles. Rest in the word that he's fighting your battle. And he will cause you to be victorious. With eye, with one eye, we see a struggle. With the other eye, we see by faith. Faith that God has a purpose for it all. One eye sees chaos in the world, but the other eye knows that God is working. Can I challenge you to ask God to open your eyes that you can see that he will reveal, reveal to you that he is working all things together for your good. That's what Romans 8:28 says, for we know that all things work together for good for them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Raise your hand if you love the Lord this morning. Because that scripture says that if you love him, he is working all things together for your good. So even if you feel like you are alone in a valley with mountains all around you and the enemy has horses and chariots, all God wants you to do is look towards the heavens. Let him open them unto you and you see who is fighting your battle. You can't do it, but he has already done it. You can't. He did. It's kind of like.
like I believe sometimes that God's the greatest chess player ever. You know, to play chess, you have to think of each piece and move it in certain ways at certain times so that you can capture the king. And sometimes a pawn is moved and you think, why did he do that? That, that doesn't make any sense to the opponent because he's just moved this little pawn. But that pawn's there to block from coming in in a certain way. I believe that God is working all things together. And when I say that, we automatically think, yeah, he's working things together. But when we really think about it, God is already talking to this person in this place. And he's talking to that person in that place. And he's causing that person to drive to this point And this person to drive to this point And you are driving to that point. And somehow all of you get together and agree on something. And then it's happened. There's so many ways that God is setting up. How many ever felt like they've been set up by God? I've been in a situation where I thought, God, you just set me up. Because maybe there was someone there that had a word that I wanted to hear. Maybe I was set up because I had a word that someone needed to hear. But whatever, God is working all things together for our good, the good and the bad, the positive and the negative. And yes, God can bring good things out of negative stuff. That's what we call miracles. And God is in the miracle working business. Even today. He's working it all together for our good. Can we trust him? God, open our eyes. Let us see who is on our side. We may not see it in the natural. We may not understand it. But we've got to trust him. Because we live this life by faith. In Him, we move, we live, and we have our being. In Him, we can trust. God, just open our eyes so that we could see. Another time in Luke chapter 24, I want to read this real quickly, starting with verse 13. And this is all stuff you've heard before. Just allow me to tie it together. And behold, two of them went that same day. This is after the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus. And behold, two of them, talking about disciples, apostles, those that knew of, of Jesus, spent time with him. That same day to a village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem, about three score furlongs. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. And it came to pass that while they communed together and reasoned, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were holding that they should not know him. Another scripture says they didn't recognize him. They didn't know him. He had, he had come in a way or form or shape that they didn't recognize. God will come to you in ways and places and shapes that he may not have showed himself before. Let me give you a good example. When the disciples were on the boat and Jesus was walking on the water, 
they looked. Now, they had spent the night with Jesus. They had stayed with him. They had lived with him for months, for up to years. I don't know the exact timing of this point, but for enough to where they should have recognized him. But when he was walking on the water, they didn't know who he was because he was coming to them in a different form, in a different fashion than when he had slept with him the night before. Sometimes God will come to you in a different way that you haven't seen him come to you before. Don't be afraid. Trust the voice and ask God, open my eyes. Let me see. Let me see. Let me see. They didn't see. Verse 17, and he said unto them, what manner, Jesus talking, what manner of communication are these that ye have one to another as ye walk and are sad? Why are you sad? What are, you're talking about all this, but why are you still sad? They're talking about a resurrection and they're sad. Reminds me of the church just a little bit. Because in our minds, we know Jesus rose from the dead. He has our authority. He has given us the same thing. We have the same gifts that Jesus had while he was walking on this earth. In fact, he said that we would do greater things than what he did. We know all this in our mind. But have we seen it or received it in our heart? And if you're walking around sad or gloomy, let's wake up and realize he's in control. Fear not. Be at peace. Let joy be your strength. Open our eyes, God, so we can see. All right, I'm finishing. And the one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answered, said unto him, Art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem, and hast not known the things which are come to pass there in these days? And he said unto them, What things? I love it. Jesus is playing with them. And they said unto him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and have crucified him. But we trusted that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. See, he didn't do it the way they wanted it done. Sometimes God doesn't work in the way we think he'll work. But trust him, he's working. Sometimes we don't get the news we want to get. Trust him. He's working. Trust him anyway. He's working. And beside all this, today is the third day since these things were done. Yea, and certain women also of our company made us astonished, which were early at the sepulcher. And when they found not his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels, which said that he was alive. Now they're sad. But they're talking about resurrection. And certain of them which were with us went to the sepulcher and found it, even so as the woman had said. But him they saw not. They knew, but they didn't yet believe. Then he said unto them, O fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Maybe we've just been a little slow of heart. Today I want to jumpstart your heart. I, wanna, I want you to start believing. I want you to see who's on your side. I want you to know that God is working all things together for good. There's more on for you than there ever will be against you. 
Jesus says, Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. And they drew nigh unto the village whither they went, and he made us as though he would have gone further. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us. That's important. Mark it. Underline it. Think about it. For it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to tarry with them. And it came to pass, as he sat at meat with them, he took bread, he blessed it, and brake it, and brake, and gave to them. And their eyes were opened, and they knew him. And then he vanished out of their sight. And they said one to another, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us by the way and while he opened to us the scriptures the important thing here is Jesus walked with them it was like 17 miles that he walked and they talked together and they were sad and yet they were talking about the resurrection and then Jesus tells them all of it he reveals everything to them but then they say these three mighty words which will make a difference in your life if you haven't already done it. They said to Jesus, not even knowing all about him, not even knowing who he was at this time, abide with us. Stay here with us. Abide with us. And then they broke bread together or they had communion. Now, if you study all through the Bible times, this was, they did this as a, sign of friendship as a sign of relationship as a sign of communion as a sign of love war one toward another were when they broke bread together so once jesus broke bread with them i hope you can hear this once jesus broke bread with them a relationship different than what they had known before was revealed unto them they said, abide with us, Lord. Those three words, abide with us. They asked the Lord to abide with them, to stay with them. Jesus broke bread with them. They had communion together, and then their eyes were open. So my challenge to you this morning is, if you haven't already, ask the Lord to abide with you. Ask him to stay. Invite him to be the Lord of your life. Surrender unto his loving kindness, unto the gift of what he is. Ask him into your heart and your life. He will break bread with you then. He will tell you all about who he is and your eyes will be open. You'll see Jesus for who he really is, who is a good, good father, who is our Abba, who is our friend, who is our Redeemer, who is our Savior, who is our strong tower, who is the bomb of Gilead, who is our healer, who is our deliverer, who is our restorer, who is everything that we need him to be. He opened, our eye, he opened their eyes and they said, didn't our heart burn within us? just by hearing his voice and perhaps this morning maybe your heart is kind of burned within you something that has been said or sung or you've received from the Lord this morning has caused a burning in your heart a yearning in your heart maybe to know more of him maybe to receive him as your Savior this morning 
maybe to receive what it is that you need. Maybe it's just to remind you that you're not alone in this walk. But God, open our eyes. And I will finish reading from Ephesians 1.18. This is the Passion Translation. And it says, I pray that the light of God will illuminate the eyes of your imagination, flooding you with light until you experience the full revelation of the hope of his calling. There's a calling on each one of your lives. The calling is unto the Lord. And then he reveals what he wants you to do, how you play your part in the body, how you play on this team called the body of Christ, the bride. The hope of his calling, that is the wealth of God's glorious inheritances that he finds in us, his holy ones. I pray the light of God will illuminate your eyes, flooding you with life, with light, until you experience the full revelation of who Jesus is, of how much he loves you. God, open our eyes that we can see who's on our side, for there's more on our side. There's more for us than there ever will be against us. Stand to your feet, if you will, this, this afternoon. I did good. It's 12.03. If anyone in the house has a need, we'll be glad to pray with you this morning. You're welcome to come up here. There's plenty that will pray. If, if you have a broken heart this morning, if you have a desire for the Lord, if you want God to open your eyes so you can know not only who He is, but who He has called you to be, then I pray that you do that this morning. Let's all pray together. Father, I thank you, Lord, for this day. I thank you, Lord, for your goodness. I thank you, Lord, for opening our eyes. I pray that each person in here, Father, Lord, that you open their eyes and they see for themselves just the plan that you have for them, God. Lord, that they can see that you are working all things together for our good, their good. Lord, that they can see that there's more for them than what is ever against them. Even though it looks like they're surrounded by the enemy, God. They're not. All of heaven is standing at attention, just waiting to do what needs to be done for your children, Lord Jesus. God, I just pray sincerely tonight for myself and for all of us. God, open our eyes. Remind us, Lord, of who we are, who we have on our side, that you are a good, good father. I thank you, Lord, for touching every heart. I thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to share this morning of the word. Lord, I just speak a blessing upon each one. And I thank you, Lord, for who they are. And, Lord, for the strength that they are. And for the community of Truva, I give you praise in Jesus' name. And the whole church says, amen. Praise God.